0: Good morning, Tapestry. It is good to be back with you. Uh, We are in week three um, of this series and us talking about facing uh, our emotions, um, specifically in this time because we're in the middle of this pandemic and this is uh, something that may be front and center for people uh, at at a greater intensity than it has been. Um, And as if on cue... I have had a few weeks here, the last few weeks, in which I have had to face my emotions uh, on several occasions. Um, so let me start this part of our conversation this morning off uh, <clears throat> by, you know, kind of telling on myself a little bit. Um, something that I'm probably going to do on more than one occasion this morning. Um, as we were getting ready to start this whole school year, the kids are at home, they're going to school from home. Um, Kate, uh, her office building is shut down. And so she's working from home and I'm working from home. We, we had gotten to a point to where <clears throat> the current setup in our house just was not cutting it. Uh, and so we decided to do um, what every sane person has done during COVID. And we did uh, a remodel and a rearranging um, of parts of the house. And so, you know, my tech was in a bigger bedroom because he had a big bed that wouldn't fit in the other bedrooms. And so we wanted to move him into a smaller one because there was a little desk in the smaller one that we needed to get to the bigger one so that Kate could have more room. Um, and so we did all this moving and we did like, turn closets into desk areas, painting, whole nine yards. Like, we're like, okay, we're making this switch. It's going to be great. We're all going to be able to work in our spaces and keep off of each other's. Toes, And so as we're doing this, something that I came to realize is that until you start moving everything that you have, you do not realize how much stuff you've accumulated. As we started emptying out the guest bedroom and the closet that was just the extra closet, we kept stuff in and the boys rooms and getting everything cleared out for painting and all this stuff. Our living room, which is a living room and a dining room combo room, so it's a pretty big room, was packed with what we called the yard sale stuff. Um, I don't know who's going to buy half of this stuff, but we called it the yard sale stuff. Um, And as we were going through stuff and cleaning out, what do we want to keep? What do we want to sell? What do we want to throw away? I came across a bunch of old pictures. And as I started looking through the pictures, um, there were a whole bunch of pictures of, of toddler tech. And uh, as I started looking at those pictures, I, I, I felt things. I felt, I felt emotions. And the more that I looked at them, the more I just, ah, these emotions just were overtaking me. And, and, and I could have just sat there and like, ah, oh, I'm feeling kind of melancholy. or I could have just called it sad, you know, because a lot of us only have, happy, mad, sad, fine, as our emotional range that we identify. Um, But really it was beyond sad. What I was experiencing as I was looking at these pictures of my kid when he was one and two and three years old, which I know every toddler's cute, but none were as cute as tech as that age. And and I'm looking through those things. Well, what I realized I was really experiencing was loss. I was experiencing loss. I was experiencing the loss of that version of my son. That I, I, I will never get to interact and be with that version of my son again. And I love, the, I love the now teenage, almost teenage version of my son. I love him to death. Drives me crazy, but I love him to death. But I'm never gonna get that toddler version Again, and I'm going to be real. I sat there, was looking through those pictures and thinking about some of it, and I I started to started getting a little misty eyed. They got a little watery, and my initial reaction when that started to happen was mm, choke down the tears. Andy, don't be stupid. You're sitting in the middle of your living room. What are you going to be crying for? And my reaction was to choke it choke it down and, and be normal. But I could hear my own voice <laughs> echoing in the back of my head t- telling me to acknowledge this emotion. To I don't try and bury it. Don't try and act like it's not happening, but acknowledge the emotion. So, so I did. And I sat there and I cried for a little while, <laughs> which would have looked crazy to anybody who walked in, but that was a healthy thing to do. It was a healthy thing to do. I allowed myself to experience the emotion Of loss, right? Because if I didn't, I could end up treating teenage tech like he was toddler tech because I hadn't processed the emotion and the feelings of the loss of toddler tech. And as I spent time thinking about this, I realized that a large portion of the emotions that we experience um, are in the vicinity of some sort of loss in our life right? And loss can happen in so many different ways, right? Beyond just just losing a person. Loss could be you've lost a job uh, or you lost a home or there there was a broken dream that you had to let go or life just isn't working out like you'd hope. And here's something that many of us fail to consider when we are in those circumstances Is, is this, is that Change is inevitable in life. It's inevitable. You you can't avoid it. And change always includes loss. You, you always lose something. Now, hopefully, the change that you're going through is good and you're Gaining something good, but you always lose something in change and loss. In and of itself, gives us the opportunity, or the emotions call for us to grieve. They call for us to grieve. Now, when we think about grief, the first thing that pops into most of our heads is that somebody has passed away and we're grieving. Right? That's that's the big thing. But but grief isn't relegated solely to death. Grief isn't, isn't only for when you lose somebody. Grief is the conflicting emotion um, that is created by change or loss. And, and this, can, this can extend even to things that seem really, really trivial. Listen, I know many, many uh, Atlanta Falcons fans, right? Who have felt the loss and had to grieve blowing a 28 to three lead to lose the Super Bowl. Some of you are mad at me I even just said that because you've worked hard to bury that emotion of that loss and everything that came along with that loss. And and yes, that's only in a sporting event, but even so, that doesn't change that there were emotions involved. People that I know who really don't tie their lives anywhere around sports said, I have to admit, I was bummed out. That one hit hard, right? Because, because there was a conflicting emotion created. Now regardless if you think, well, but this over is such a trivial thing. Yeah, it is a trivial thing, a football game, but there was a conflicting emotion created, caused by that loss that needed to be dealt with. But for many people, um, th- there's a sense of loss about things that more directly affect their lives than a sporting event. But but what we all develop as we progress through life, what we all develop is this. We develop a way to or a way not to grieve, right? We, we, We pick up a way to respond to and to handle loss in our life. And this is the way that most people handle loss. They they handle it like this: bury the emotion and assume time heals everything. That's kind of the go-to. Bury the emotion and assume time heals everything. Get on with life. Right? Whatever you lost. Replace it. You know, get a new job, get a new spouse, get a new hobby, get a new dog, whatever whatever, just give it some space, time, replace what you lost, you'll be fine. But I don't need to tell you, you, you already know, that is not a healthy approach. That, 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 is not, that is not the way to go about it because when we fail to properly grieve, we bury the emotion, but we're burying it alive. And when we bury it alive, that means it is going to show up in another place and in another time, right? It will manifest itself in a way that will probably carry a lot of consequences with it. What we do is we find coping mechanisms so that we don't ever actually have to face the emotion of our loss. I mean, how many times, how many times have you known people or maybe you yourself have experienced who have buried their grief in an unhealthy manner? And there's so many ways you can do it. So many coping mechanisms, you know, abusing substances, becoming um, a workaholic, developing uh, compulsive eating habits or um, unhealthy spending patterns, you know, getting into unhealthy relationships going on. There's just so many things that we do. And, and all series, the last, the last couple of weeks, we have said that in the same way there are consequences to ignoring your physical health, there are consequences to ignoring your emotional health. And listen, everyone around you, not just you, but everyone around you will feel what you fail to properly grieve. If you choose to to avoid the emotions that come with loss, it will affect relationships in your life, right? Your potential for upward mobility as a professional will be affected. Your ability to be a great parent will be affected. Your ability to be a great spouse will be affected. Your, Your ability to maintain meaningful relationships will be affected right? It is contingent. All of those things, they are contingent upon your ability to have healthy emotional habits. And when we fail to deal with our emotions, when we fail to face them, when they rise up inside of us, we just kick the can down the road. And the longer and longer you wait to pay attention to your emotions, the more damaging the consequences of those emotions become. And it affects you, yeah, but it also affects those around you. So what do we do? Right? What do we do with it? That's a good question. We talked a couple weeks ago about how the Psalms um, give us a model of dealing with emotion. Um, again, I was struck with, as Amy read the, the scripture this morning, um, that we don't talk about what she's going to read, but she read just such a wonderful example of David dealing with his emotions, the feeling it, the facing it head on, the expressing it to God. So, so we're, we're, going to look at, we're going to look at one of the Psalms in a few minutes, but, but the primary place that I turn is to Jesus. It's to Jesus because Jesus was the image of the invisible God. Right? Part of why Jesus was on earth was to allow us to see as close as we could God, to understand how God operated and how God worked. It's why Jesus said, No man can come to the Father but through me. He was saying, Look, if you want to know God, if you want to see God, I'm as close as you get. So look at me. And Jesus, he did things that displayed first. Here's how, here's how you should process and handle life. And we have examples of Jesus dealing with fully human emotions. Right? We've looked together as a congregation in the past, Jesus dealing with the emotion of loss when it came to the death of Lazarus, and Jesus knowing that. Um, even though he was getting ready to make everything okay once he showed up on the scene, but that he was going to bring Lazarus back to life. Jesus did not hide from the emotion of loss that permeated that situation. The loss of his loss, even though he knew he was going to gain, but the loss of those around him. And Jesus took time to pause, to acknowledge the emotions of loss. And then he felt those emotions. And it says, Jesus wept. Don't, don't walk in on me crying in the living room over a feeling of loss of a version of my son and think I'm weird. Jesus wept. Did he have reason? No, he was going to talk to Lazarus in just a minute. But he felt the emotion of loss. And when writing a story in which your goal is to convince readers to follow and dedicate their lives to the main person in the story, um, weeping should have been a sign of weakness and you should have kept it out of the story. but it was in there because Jesus's weeping was exactly the opposite. It was a sign of strength, the strength of empathy because Jesus faced the emotion that he and others were feeling. Listen, grief, grief and mourning are healthy and biblical. Now, I'm not saying that you need to start crying a lot right? If you're going to pay attention to your emotional health, you need to start crying out because not everyone's mourning manifests itself in the same manner, right? And not everybody, when they are mourning, gets weepy, right? I come by my weepiness, honestly, but whatever, but you need to figure out how you mourn loss and you need to engage in that practice. Because while yes, we're aware of big loss in our life. We so overlook smaller losses, but there's still that emotion that we've got to deal with that come along with those things. So you've got to pay attention to your emotional health. So here we go to the Psalms. The most famous Psalm of them all. Psalm chapter 23. And Psalm chapter 23 starts out joyful and majestic. Here's how it goes. The Lord is my shepherd. What a bold declaration. I shall not want. And then he gets poetic. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I can hear the, I can hear the waters, the the creek moving. I can taste the coolness of it. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. What a soaring ode David is writing to God. But but then it hits a dark spot. And it talks about times of loss in life that require mourning. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Some translations have replaced death with despair. He says, even when I'm at times of loss and despair, and the way the writing is, it implies um, you're going to go through the valley. You're going to experience these moments of loss. You're going to experience these dark moments in life Of despair. You cannot go over the valley. You cannot go under the valley. You cannot go around the valley. You will go through the valley. But that's not news to any of you, is it? Some of you are like, no, I live in the valley. Some of you feel like you've been in the valley since March, right? But it isn't just that bad news. There's good news during the time of loss. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He says, I I will not be paralyzed by the fear of facing what surrounds me, right? And this is profound because so many of our dark times are surrounding loss in our life, right? And loss inevitably invites fear, Because when you lose something, you don't know what is going to be next, right? Oh no, what am I going to do now? What am I going to turn to now? What is the future going to look like? Loss creates uncertainty, which invites fear. Because loss is about not having what you had in the past. And fear is about not knowing what you're going to have In the future. So, what am I going to experience now because of what I have lost? David lets us know. (laughs) David says, You don't have to fear uncertain times. And you can do it. You can do it without avoiding the emotion because that's how many of us try to not fear. We avoid it, we push it down, we don't think about it, we pretend it doesn't exist. We say, everything is fine. Everything is fine. Everything is fine as the world is swirling around us. And David says, no, 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 no. There's a way, there's a way to not be afraid while simultaneously not burying and ignoring your emotions. Wow, David, how? How? David says, let me tell you how. I will fear no evil for you are with me, which is one of the most powerful concepts in all of the scriptures. God with me. God looking at us when we are in the moments of darkness and despair and loss and saying, you are not alone. And some of you, some of you are avoiding dealing with emotions of loss in your life. But but, but what if, what if, but what if you had confidence that God was with you? What would it look like for you to pretend that you're not in the valley and face it head on knowing God is with you? All of those things that you don't have control over causing fear, God is with you. Right? All of the things that you're afraid of, God is with you. All of the things that you can't let go of, God is with you. And as I was thinking about this and all of the, just the dynamics that go on within it and thinking about the things within this time period that so many people have lost. People have lost their health since March. People have lost loved ones to death since this all hit around March. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their security. People have lost their friend networks. People have lost a sense of belonging. People have lost so much. And it's so easy for us to not face the emotion of loss. To just think, well, I'm just sad or to lie to yourself even more than that. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But David keeps writing. And he writes something that on the surface doesn't really make sense. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's very encouraging. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, Quick poll out there for all of you watching. How many of you are sheep farmers? No, me neither, right? And and that makes sense that none of us are sheep farmers. I I, I don't recall seeing many sheep farms around Savannah. Uh, And I don't know really anything about raising sheep, but I do have the Google And so I looked up some things about raising sheep and I look at the purpose of the rod and the staff and there's a whole lot of prodding and poking and using the hook to redirect. And and, and as I was thinking about that, David describes the rod and the staff as bringing comfort. And I'm looking at the relationship of the rod and the staff to the sheep and it doesn't look very comfortable. The poking and the prodding and the pulling and the tapping on the nose and the... I'm not sure where the comfort is there. And as I started thinking about that, that idea of comfort, I realized that I was specifically thinking of comfort in the physical form of comfort. And then I started realizing like, oh my goodness, the number of things that we have in our life just dedicated to our comfort borders on ridiculous, right? I mean, we have high thread count sheets and air conditioning and heated seats and towel warmers. And I I could see here and go on for an hour of all of the things that we have in our life dedicated to our physical comfort. But that is not true comfort. That's not the comfort that David was talking about. True comfort. That David was talking about, is in the midst of difficult times, you can trust that God is with you and he will guide you where you need to go to get to where you need to be. God is with you and he will get you through the valley. That's comfort. That is comfort. So, so how do you know how do you know if there's loss in your life that you haven't grieved, right? So some of you, some of you know right away the loss in your life. You, you've been thinking about it for the last 15 minutes or so and, and it's just right front and center for you. But some, some of you, you may not be aware. You may be really good at just tamping things down and blocking things out and not being aware. But, but here's a sign that you have buried something alive and have not buried it fully. Here it is: When you give a $10 response to a one incident, now that's kind of uh, that's kind of a weird way to say that, but in other words, you, you find yourself overreacting you find yourself with responses that are disproportionate to the incident, right? Something small happens and it triggers a huge response. Now listen, that is a telltale sign that there are emotions below the surface that have not been dealt with because somebody does something that's little and it triggers something big inside of you. Now, now listen, so some of you may be tempted to look to the person next to you and start uh, clearing your throat and nudging a little bit. Uh, let me give you a word of advice. If you are around someone who has a $10 reaction to a $1 incident, um, when someone close to you has an oversized reaction, that moment is not the moment to say anything, right? When they're having the big reaction to the small thing, that's not the time to say, "Well, it looks like you have something in your life that needs grieved, huh? Huh? Well, somebody has some unaddressed emotions, right? Right? Somebody, you know, somebody's feeling zombies are coming up out of the dirt. You know, it's not the time to do that. And the reason is, is because we humans. We like figuring things out on our own. We like self-actualization. We like feeling like we're smart enough to realize things about ourselves and make the appropriate changes. So if you're around somebody that you love and they have an oversized reaction to a minor incident, later on, after things have calmed down, some, some time has been realized between <laughs> since the incident, Maybe ask a gentle question, right? Something like, I saw what happened earlier. I saw your response to it. Did something go on that I didn't know about? Did I miss something in there? What's going on? Lead the person to dig in those emotions and start to figure that out. On their own. Don't tell them. It's that just never works well. (laughs) But listen, you need to pay attention to your reaction to things, right? Overreactions are a sign that something isn't right. And listen, this is a sign that I have been embarrassingly familiar with during this pandemic. I, you know, I I I love. I love my boys to death, but as time has gone on, I've found myself getting shorter and shorter with them and my patience wearing. And there've been a couple of times that there were something that happened and it just wasn't that big of a deal. And I reacted like it was a really big deal. One instinct comes to mind, we were in the kitchen and one of my sons turned and, and knocked a glass off of the island and it hit the floor and it broke. And I just, I just reacted. I was just so frustrated and things just boiled over and and I don't think I was mean to him, but I was angry and he felt it. Over what? I had to sweep up a glass that probably cost about 35 cents and, and I felt that more and more again. So then I'm like, Kate gently, you know nudged me and you need to look at that. And so, so I tried to really hold my reactions in and hold them in and hold them in and like, no, no don't react. And I would do good for a couple days and then something would come out, but I would do good. But what I was doing was I wasn't dealing with the underlying emotion. I was just trying to keep that emotion, push down, push down, don't let it come out, don't let it come out, don't let it come out, don't let it come out. Well, a couple weeks ago, I was doing some work on my truck And, um, you know, vehicles are frustrating anyway, but I was reaching for a spot. And as I was reaching, trying to run a wrench and run it and and I let go of my wrench and it fell and it went down and it fell and I just lost it. Everything I'd been trying to tamp down for so long and trying to keep from just exploding out on people, I let it out full force on the truck. The neighbors are probably calling the cops because of the cursing that they heard. And I got to the point where I kicked a piece that was sitting on the ground next to me. And I just started slamming my hands on the fender. And it has taken two weeks for my hand to get back working right. And some of you may be in shock and be like, what, that's not very pastoral-like. I know it's not very pastoral-like. It's human and I'm human. But that's what happens when you push emotions down and you don't deal with them. They will come out. And many times they come out by you overreacting to minor incidents as I've had to think about it and deal with all of that, I mean, there, there, there are things that I have lost um, that I have not mourned or faced or dealt with, large things before the pandemic and small things during it. And where I, where I see this manifest itself so often is people who get well into their adulthood and life doesn't look like what they thought it would look like. And they had a dream, they had a vision of what adulthood would be, and it's not coming true. And instead of dealing with the loss of that vision and then doing what's necessary to remain emotionally healthy and make the best from where they're at moving forward, they, 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 they try to get the life that they imagine, right? And they buy a boat or get a new car, or go on expensive vacations or get a new spouse, but they decide they are going to trade in what isn't working for what they want. And then one day they wake up and their marriage is a mess. Their friendships are strained. Their coworkers don't trust them. Their kids have grown distant. And they wonder, how did I get here? The answer is it's buried emotions that haven't been dealt with. Loss that has not been addressed or grieved or because they had been taught. Bury your feelings, replace what you lost and let time do its thing. But that approach comes back to bite you every single time. But luckily there is a better way. What if we did this instead of burying our feelings? What if you feel your feelings and express them freely? What, talk about my feelings? Yeah, talk about your feelings. Don't bury them, feel them. Right? Well, what, if we, what if you did this instead of quickly replacing something that you lost so that something else would take its place and maybe you wouldn't think about? What if you slowed down and review what it was that you lost? Right? Take some time to say, okay, instead of quickly replacing what's lost, I'm going to pause and I'm going to figure out what was it about that thing that leaves me feeling empty now? Right? What, what was it about that thing um, that, 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 that leaves me wanting? Right? What, what is it about that, that that makes me mad or bitter or jealous or, or angry or sad? What would it look like to have a place to review it? Because listen, until you identify that about the thing that you lost, that thing will own you. It'll own you. And until you can say, okay, this is what I actually lost. And listen, here's where the work comes in because you can't just be like, oh, I lost that. And so that's what I lost because the that is rarely the thing that you're actually mourning the loss of. It's rarely the thing. It it, it isn't, the job isn't what you're lost. The sense of security the sense of being a provider. The sense of being independent. That's what you lost. Not the job. But you've got to identify what is it that I need to mourn? What is it? What is the emotion that I need to deal with? It wasn't the person in the relationship that you lost. It was the feeling of being accepted and being loved and being connected. That, that's what you're mourning the loss of. Right? What, it wasn't just you know the, the idea, right? It's deeper than that. All of, these things rep- all of these things represent identity and security and acceptance and hope and affirmation, like the, the meaningful feeling you got from them. Like those are the things that you've got to come to grips with that you are lost. What did you actually lose? Not what was the thing. What did you really lose? What, and what if we did this? instead of just leaving it up to time, what if, we, what if we invite God to heal the wounds of our loss? Right? What if we say to the God who knows you, who loves you, who wants the best for you? What if you say, will you come and help me heal from this loss? And you and I, you, we both know people who this is their story. They were in the valley of the shadow of death. And they would say, I don't know how I made it through, but God was with me. My loss was great, but God was greater. Some of you, this is your story. I could could invite you up here. and You could tell this story from your own experiences. So, Here's my challenge for you this week. Pay attention to your reactions. Pay attention to the responses you have to things. are your reactions oversized for the incident? Ask God to show you things that you aren't seeing. Recognize losses that you may never have acknowledged and dealt with the emotions that you've buried that are coming out in other areas of your life and do the work to understand what you actually lost and how the thing that you lost provided that for you. Because until you identify it, you cannot deal with it. And then once you've done that, ask God, God, come and help me heal from this loss. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your scriptures. I thank you for the guidance and direction that we find in them. Lord, I thank you for the example uh, of the Psalms that, that the writers just embrace the emotion that they're feeling and they feel it and they express it to you. And Lord, for those who are dealing with feelings of loss, for those who who may not even realize that that's what they were dealing with until they heard me talk about this and something clicked inside of them and said, that is exactly what I am dealing with. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to engage those feelings, the wisdom to be able to sort through their loss and figure out what it is that they're really feeling, what it is that they really lost, what it is that they really need to mourn. And God, I pray that through your grace, you lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. That we can take comfort, that even in these times of difficult emotions, that God with you by our side, that we can put in the effort and the work to our emotional health and you will lead us to where we need to go. Lord, I am so thankful for your mercy and for your grace when we are experiencing these things. I thank you for them in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a a great week.